Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, August 4th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... The best models we have right now suggest that the cases that are being identified in Mississippi probably only represent about a fifth or even fewer of the actual number of cases. So, you know, four out of five cases are being missed, maybe even more. Studies in global health from Harvard reveal an alarming trend in Mississippi's COVID-19 test positivity rate. Then, on the day the governor is set to announce an executive order on schools, we talked to the superintendent of one district that has faced the challenges of school openings. Plus, mysterious packages of seeds are showing up unsolicited in mailboxes across the country. The state's ag commissioner shares what residents should do if they receive any. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Health experts say Mississippi is leading the nation in positive test rates for COVID-19 and is second in cases per capita. 22% of coronavirus tests in Mississippi come back positive, and the state is on track to surpass Florida in cases per capita. Dr. Ashish Jha is a professor of global health at Harvard University. He says he's been tracking the coronavirus throughout the nation and tells our Kobe Vance Mississippi's growing positivity rates are alarming. Part of the work we're doing on pandemics, I'm looking at data from every state every day and tracking what's happening across initially the Sun Belt and then in other parts of the country as we've seen the virus uh, increasing. And uh, over the last two weeks, I started seeing numbers rise in Mississippi. And then by this weekend, I became really quite concerned because uh, it had now, by at least by Sunday and even today, Monday, uh, it's the second highest number of cases per capita in the nation in terms of all the states. Uh, the percent of tests that are coming back positive is the highest in the nation. And in general, the trajectory is still up. The number of cases continues to rise, whereas the number one state in the country, Florida, is starting to inch downwards. And so if you just look at the patterns, you can see that Mississippi uh, sometime this week is likely to become number one in the nation in terms of number of cases per capita. Obviously a very concerning situation. And now just for a little more context around those numbers, you know, the testing, um, the positivity in tests are going up and we're at 22 percent. Um, how, do, how does that fit into other states? What are other states testing around? Yeah, so nationally, we're at about uh, 8 or 9 percent of tests are coming back positive. Uh, what we want to be is well below 5 percent and ideally around 3 percent. Just to give you context, New York is about 1.5% of tests coming back positive right now. Uh, Florida is about 18% of tests coming back positive. And the reason why you want that number low 
is what we know is that when that as that number rises, it, it means that you're missing a lot of cases out there. And the best models we have right now suggest that the cases that are being identified in Mississippi probably only represent about a, a fifth or, or even fewer of the actual number of cases. So, you know, four out of five cases are being missed, maybe even more. Do you think the state needs to ramp up testing dramatically? I do think that the state needs to ramp up testing dramatically. Uh, a strategy of only testing people with symptoms is going to miss a lot of folks. Uh, what we know is that half of the spreading that happens with this virus happens when people don't have symptoms. It's mostly a way to identify large outbreaks after they've happened. Uh, it's not a strategy for containing the virus, uh, and it's, it's not going to be effective. So absolutely ramping up testing is a critical piece of bringing the virus under control in Mississippi. Now, the governor's taking a reactionary approach to choosing which counties to add to mandates. He claims that, um, and this is somewhat substantial, as Mississippians would not abide by a statewide mandate, but they'll likely more abide by a uh, a county-by-county county order. Have you seen any of those trends across the nation? Um, are people, is that is that true, or is that just, just a, kind of like a misconception? You know, I, I believe, um, from everything I know about Mississippi, I believe the people of Mississippi care deeply about health and, and doing the right thing. And I have no real reason to believe that the people of Mississippi won't uh, abide by a statewide mandate, but they would by a county-level mandate. Uh, I think what's really important here is leadership. What's really important here is explaining to folks in Mississippi why this is important, uh, what the benefit of wearing masks uh, is. And I think if the governor and if the civic leaders did that, uh, I absolutely think that you could have a, a statewide mask mandate uh, that people would abide by. But it will it's not just about passing a law or making a declaration. It is about leadership. It's about communicating. It's about uh, helping people understand why this is so important. And another thing is uh, schools are reopening here in Mississippi. Today is or this week marks a lot of sc most school districts that are reopening their doors to have children coming back into the buildings are reopening this week. What are your concerns for school districts? Yeah, so it's really important to figure out how to get our kids back to school this fall. You know, in-person teaching is so much more impactful and useful for kids, obviously really helpful for parents as well. Um, but you got to do it safely. And if you open up without having the kind of safeguards in place, and then what's going to happen is that schools are going to get shut down as, as you get large outbreaks. When I look at the level of virus in the community in Mississippi, I'm very worried that most places cannot safely open. If schools go ahead and open anyway and say, sure, we'll just bring the kids in, uh, they might be fine for a few days or a couple of weeks. But what's going to happen is we're going to start seeing large outbreaks uh, across school districts and then schools are going to start shutting down. And, and what I've been saying to folks is you get one shot at this, because if you open up uh, indiscriminately and if you open up when you don't have the safety guards in, uh, what's going to happen is you're going to get outbreaks, you're going to shut down, and then it's going to be really hard to reopen schools. So let's do it right as opposed to kind of uh, forcing it when clearly the level of virus in the community does not justify uh, opening schools in many of these places. 
Dr. Ashish Jha is a professor of global health at Harvard University. Currently, 37 counties in Mississippi have mask mandates and nearly half a million coronavirus tests have been conducted statewide. It's part of a piecemeal approach by Governor Tate Reeves to focus mitigation efforts on counties meeting certain transmission criteria. Dr. Claude Brunson, executive director of the Mississippi State Medical Association, says this plan lacks effectiveness. We just can't control our citizens going back and forth from city lines to county lines. And so if you got a hot spot somewhere, you're more than likely going to get a hot spot in the county's next door. And so going to the statewide mandate in our minds make more sense right now. Brunson and other medical experts in Mississippi are calling for a statewide mask mandate. If you have questions or concerns about the coronavirus pandemic, tune in to MPB TV, Think Radio, or online tomorrow for a special at issue. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs will be answering your questions live starting at 7 p.m. To submit your questions, visit mpbonline.org slash coronavirus. Coming up on the day the governor is set to announce an executive order on schools, we talk to the superintendent of one district that has faced the challenges of school openings. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lautridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Governor Tate Reeves will announce an executive order this afternoon that will provide guidance on school reopenings. Reeves has recently echoed the White House call for schools to resume in-class learning as much as possible, but attitudes about the safety of such action is shifting. In a recent roundtable with other medical professionals, State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs contemplated the scenario. In, a, in, in an ideal world, and this is just kind of where I am mentally, and there's no right answer, is that if we're going to be in-person class, I really don't think we should have more than 50% of normal capacity in a classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to just kind of depopulate, let kids brace out, figure out what we're doing. And and some of that can be virtual, some of it can be just scheduled. Right. Some of it can be space allocation, you know. Um, uh, so if we can get to that point right now, I think that would make a lot of sense because it, it's impossible to imagine we're not going to pay the price for cramming kids in the schools right now. And it's just, it just, it just, it, there's just no plausible scenario where it's just not going to be bad. When school started in Corinth last week, much of the education community honed its sights on the northeast Mississippi city. After one week of on-campus classes, the district is reporting two incidents of positive cases involving three high school students. Dr. Lee Childress is the superintendent of Corinth District, the Corinth School District. He shares more about his district's approach to on-campus learning with our Michael Guidry. We have asked all of our teachers to establish seating charts and to maintain that seating for a period of time where we don't have movement um, among students to different seats in that classroom. We then can go into those classrooms and we can take those seating charts and we can look to see if close contact did in fact occur. Now that you've had three cases 
you you have a plan in place and you're following the plan. It seems like you have community support. Uh, is there a line in which the school district will have to kind of stop and completely reassess? And if so, what is that line? Well, I think the line will come um, when we look at, um, you know, the number of um, positive cases that we have. And we'll have to look at them over um, a period of time because everyone knew that we would be experiencing them. And three, while three, while the fact that we have had three is extremely important, we do have 617 students um, on the roll at Corinth High School. So all three of these incidences were in the high school setting? They were, yes, sir. Your district has a lot of eyes on it, as other school districts in the state have either already delayed or are considering delaying as their student return dates approach. What has it been like knowing that the rest of the education community in Mississippi were looking at you and how you handled the situation? Well, um, the interesting thing is is, um, a lot of my fellow superintendents have reached out to me and – and supported um, me as the superintendent, and they've supported our district in what we are doing. Um, They are interested in seeing the different procedures um, that we have in place and how possibly those procedures can benefit them um, when they open. You know, everybody has to make the decision based on their community and what the community support um, is and also what the community transmission is in terms of the um, COVID-19. And um, we have been um, at a situation that we have had a relatively um, low community transmission rate. Now, we have seen an increase in it over the last several weeks, but it still remains low compared to a lot of other areas in Mississippi. What's happened is is bound to bring out detractors saying that, you know, we knew this was going to happen. You know, the cases are only going to continue to spread. Uh, based on how you've handled the situation uh, at the district level and then kind of more holistically at the, the school level with those administrators, is there a message you have for detractors who are basically saying you are trying to delay the inevitable? Yeah, I think that that's something that it that any and all schools are going to have to deal with. Whenever they open, even if they remain 100% virtual, you're going to have students that are going to contract the virus either at school or out in the community. You're going to have staff members that are going to do the same. And so you're going to have to deal with it either way. And so it's something that is going to become uh an issue, and it's going to become something that we're going to have to deal with um, regardless of the type of schedule you are running. Dr. Childers, is there anything else uh, about school restarts and your handling of, of this process that you'd like the people of Mississippi to know? Well, you know, we have had a good school start. Um, we knew that we were going to have to deal with these issues. I would ask that, um, you know, parents, and community leaders understand what teachers particularly are dealing with and support our teachers and support our school-level administrators as they are um, 
going through um, the reopening of schools. Dr. Lee Childress is the superintendent of Corinth School District. Dr. Childress, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Some school districts in the state are delaying the start of school until after Labor Day weekend. Others have opted for a virtual-only approach for the fall semester. Dr. Thomas Dobbs, who previously opined that the state would be prepared for an August start, now suggests it might be best to delay. Unfortunately, nothing cannot be political these days. And so um, I think sometimes we're making rash decisions because of we've planted our flag. Um, I was all, I thought that maybe it would be the right time to start in August until about a little while ago. Um, I do think it's a good idea to um, put our toe in the water a little bit, kind of go slowly, um, you know, offer as much online as we can, um, you know, uh, maybe delay in person for a little while, maybe until September. Uh, you know, having a firm statement, I, I'm, I'm having to be very conscientious about how do you message that um, uh, with so many other voices in in the conversation. Um, but I think it's a good idea to delay school. There's nothing magic about August. I've been asking people, why don't we start in August anyway? Do you know what they told me? I don't know. It's football. Governor Reeves is expected to make an announcement regarding a new executive order on schools this afternoon at 2.30, and you can catch it right here on MPB Think Radio. Coming up, mysterious packages of seeds are showing up unsolicited in mailboxes across the country. The state's ag commissioner shares what residents should do if they receive any. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. Join me on Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast about the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. And, of course, all of MPB's other great podcasts are there, too. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Coming August 1st to your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mysterious packages containing an assortment of seeds are showing up unsolicited in mailboxes across the country. They are believed to be part of what's known as a brushing scam, where people receive unsought items from a seller who then posts false customer reviews to boost sales. That scam can involve many different random products, but as Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce Andy Gibson tells us, foreign seeds could be an environmental threat. These seeds are still coming, and we're still figuring out how many they are. All I can say is somebody is spending a lot of money to send seeds here to America and to Mississippi from China. And it's not just China. We've now identified seeds from the Solomon Islands, Iran, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan. So it's uh, it's really an interesting situation. At the last check I had, it was, uh, you know, over half of the states who confirmed uh, cases of unordered seeds, unsolicited seeds. And here in Mississippi, we've had them identified in 62 out of our 82 counties. Really? Now, yeah. are they, or do we know anything about who they're coming from or what they're coming from? You know, the best we can tell, we really don't know where they're coming from or who's funding this, but uh, the little bits of evidence that we have is that this is some kind of a marketing scam. 
they call it a brushing scam where people, e-commerce marketers will send unordered items to people and then generate uh, false reviews. But, uh, you know, if that's the case, my question is, why are these people getting them? How do they get their list, their contact information? And so the other piece of evidence that we have is these packages uh, seem to be along the line of what's known as Wish. Dot com. I've never ordered anything off of Wish, but it's an order-filling e-commerce system. And they, Actually, I have. I didn't realize it was coming from them. Well, it did. We, we don't know that it's coming from oh. them, but I've had many, many people call and say that the packages are just like the Wish packages mm-hmm. that they order. And, uh, you know, so far these packages are containing uh, all ma- all different matter of seed types, and uh, we've had two hundred over 250 calls here in Mississippi. And many, many calls from other states as well. And uh, our folks are going out to pick up these packages. We've had 12 people that called who uh, have already planted the seed and had it growing in the pot or in their garden somewhere. Didn't even know what it was. What it was. So, uh, Have there been any examples or, or cases where the seeds have been determined as being toxic? No, we haven't had any determined to be toxic, although we have confirmed that some of them are invasive weeds. Uh, you know, they range from everything from uh, gourds, bitterroot gourds, and then we've seen some that have watermelons, and then there's uh, what we call a pokeweed and uh, pigweeds. Uh, that's a very invasive weed here in Mississippi. Uh, three unidentified types of bulbs, we don't even know what they are, and ten types of seeds that we haven't yet been able to identify but you know they're all mixed in with some things that are very familiar to us like squash and peas and bananas carrots cherry strawberry just really interesting uh, varieties that are appearing uh, at people's doorstep who never ordered these seeds this is so strange what a strange story this is <laughs> it really is it's a uh, I began getting calls, not this past weekend, but the weekend before that, asking what people should do with them. They didn't order the seeds. They, and in most cases, the package is marked as a, uh, you know, something else like jewelry. We've seen a lot of packages that were marked as irrigation uh, system or irrigation uh, drippers. But when they open them up, they're seeds. And so, uh, you know, like I said, somebody's spending a lot of money sending these seeds over here and of course in addition to violating the law coming from another country there's very strict protocols on importation of seeds uh, to prevent the spread of disease or invasive uh, pests or invasive plants but uh, it's just really uh, bizarre that it's uh, it's happening in this scale all over the country that's why it's illegal because it's agricult it's an agricultural product Yes, I, a lot of people may not realize, but there are very strict standards on importing foreign seeds, at, not only here into America, but from America to other countries, because our plants have disease that other countries may not have, and they have disease that we don't have, and the last thing we need is another invasive weed, or let's just say there's a, a fungus in one of these uh, cantaloupe seeds, for example, a fungus that has not appeared yet in Mississippi. It could be translated to some of our other crops, our, our sweet potato crops, for example, uh, battle different diseases. We don't need to introduce any, any foreign disease here 
uh, we have enough as it is. What are you recommending people do if they receive these seeds? Well, if people uh, get these packages and they're still coming in from all indications, uh, they can call our Department of Agriculture Bureau of Plant Industry. That's on in Starkville, Mississippi, and they can call 662-325-3390, 662-325-3390, and we have a staff of inspectors and other employees that are going out collecting them, and in addition to that, uh, very conveniently and much appreciated, the uh, Mississippi State Extension Office has, uh, in the local counties, has that extension offices have stepped up and agreed to be a drop-off location. So if somebody uh, wants to go ahead and take that to the extension office, they can drop it off there, and our folks will pick it up. Uh, it, it, you know, our preference is for you to keep the seeds, keep the packaging, and put both of them in a, a Ziploc bag, just seal it up, and drop it off, or call us, and we'll come pick it up. Andy Gibson is the Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce in Mississippi. Thank you so much, Commissioner Gibson. Thanks for having me, Karen. You have a great day. Residents can drop off seeds at the local MSU Extension Office or, if unable, can contact the Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce's Bureau of Plant Industry by phoning 662-325-3390 for further instructions. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.